This situation really angers me. It, it angers me very deeply and hurts me very deeply because this, this did not have to happen. And, 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 and on top of that, what angers me is that the mayor of Huntsville and the chief of police of Huntsville, even after seeing the video, looked me and other members of the Rosa Parks Committee in the face, in our faces, and tried to suggest that what Darby had done was acceptable. All righty, boys and girls, welcome in. Another fine week. This will probably be our best episode ever of uh, Alabama Politics This Week podcast. Uh, I am Josh Moon. That is... David Person. And this is maybe the first time in the history of this podcast that we are, since we've been doing Zoom, that we are doing it in the dark, basically. <laughs> I can't see you. You can't see me. Yeah. What happened? And, and that's because well, we're I, trying to did keep Did I our... ever start my video? Is that what I did? Right. I just thought oh. you were doing that because you... you no, were... I didn't. I'm sorry. I just didn't even notice, man. I, you know, I had y'all popped up there and I didn't even notice the, the thing. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I thought, so you were back. Tr- I thought you were trying to keep your internet stable or something. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, so I, thought, no, well, I mean, I I'm fully clothed. This is not a tubing situation going on over here. I'm everything's fine. Yeah. It's not a Jeffrey tubing situation. No, it's not. No, I'm not tubing it up over here. So uh, it's all right. We're good. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you need to Google Jeffrey Tube and CNN, and um, I don't know what what other word would help them get there. Uh, masturbation. Yeah, well, that definitely would get them all the way there. Yeah, <laughs> get them all the way there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true story, crazy story. Yeah, if you don't yeah, know no, story. So I, no, I had just forgotten to turn it on, and and when you you do the video like I do, I just see the person who's talking, and so it just you know I didn't even realize that I wasn't uh, I wasn't on there. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So at uh, anyways, yeah. So we're good to go now, uh, and uh, it's uh, you're in a new location. It looks no, like. I'm here. All right, so. Let me explain. Not that anybody cares, but uh, so this is where I do the the television show, the VTV okay. show that we do okay. uh, each week, and so I do this with this little background back behind me, so you know people you know see see my my daughter in a in a picture, and it's a nice little setup here and everything, you know. So um, so I do it from here, and we never I never have a problem with Zoom, never have an issue. Okay. If after that TV show is over with, I take my my laptop, my MacBook, and I pivot. And literally, I don't even have to get out of the chair. And I set it on the desk right beside where I'm doing this, mm-hmm. just to my right. And when the, and we all we start doing the podcast at that point. And every single time, mm-hmm. I have issues with connectivity on the same Zoom that I'm using. And I figured out if I just leave it here in this middle part, I never have a problem. I literally three feet away. From where I would normally do the podcast, I'm just doing it. Uh, I'm doing it where I normally do the TV show, and we don't have a problem with the connectivity. That's weird. That's yeah. weird. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something. You know, maybe I'm just right on the edge right here. I don't. I don't understand. Mm. But um, you know, I, uh, the the folks at AT and T, I've I've really had a lot of trouble with them. So <laughs> yeah, no comment. No comment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, communication giant. We're gonna hold them. Hold them responsible if they turn over those records. That's right. Uh, that's, that's right. right. See Kevin McCarthy on them, boy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, which is the most mob boss shit I've ever heard somebody say out loud uh, from a <laughs> microphone at, at you know in Congress of all it's, places. 
Very Trumpian. Very yeah. Trumpian. <laughs> would be a shame if something happened to the communication companies, you know? Yeah, I hate uh, to take out AT&T. Yeah, it's just... But, you uh, know, if I you might follow have to the do law, it. If you follow the law and do what you're supposed to do, you know, you might end up with your legs broken. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, it's a distinct possibility. You could end up swimming with the fishes. And by the way, these are the two worst Italian imitations <laughs> that have ever been attempted. Godfather. Okay. We, we were yeah. trying to imitate the Godfather. It's poor, Terrible. poor job, just, poor just job. It's awful. Yeah. All right. Uh, so speaking of poor, poor jobs, uh, there was one turned in last night, which we recorded this on Thursdays. Um, and so Wednesday night uh, by the uh, by your Supreme Court. Um, who in the dark of night essentially let stand a Texas law that bans abortion. Uh, it, I mean, that's really what it does. It, it, it's a six week, uh, anything after six week is six weeks is banned. Um, the court through some legal mumbo jumbo, really, that doesn't make any sense, what sense whatsoever, essentially allowed this law to stand. Uh, saying that they would that review it on its merits at a later time if if such a case came to them, uh, which is really a cop out. Uh, and it was the five uh, conservative justices uh, coming through and saying, you know, this we're gonna we're gonna block abortion basically, and we're gonna do it in the dark of night and not sign our name to it. Um, and it is, I, I let me tell you, I'm put it to you this way: if there were a similar case from the state of California that said you cannot own a firearm without proper training uh, here, and someone challenged that law, there is zero chance that this same court would not strike that down based on precedent that is already standing and say, you could bring this back to us on on the legal grounds and we could look at it from that way, but we can't do it this way. Uh, And they didn't do that in this case. What they did was allow the law to stand, a law that clearly violates the precedent that they said what, what makes it an unconstitutional law. The precedent that we had in place for 40 years clearly mm-hmm. makes this an unconstitutional law. And they allowed this unconstitutional law to stand because that's what they wanted. Uh, and that's what they've promised people. And so now in the state of Texas, you can sue somebody that you believe is going to get an abortion right? and the people who are facilitating that abortion, uh, the people who drive them to the abortion clinic. The people that help them at the abortion clinic. You can ha- you can sue all of those people, and you don't even have to be an interested party. But you may also sue them if you're the rapist and your victim wants to abort the baby. Mm-hmm. You can sue them that, that way. So I covered, I, I said this on Twitter today, uh, five, six, uh, four or five years ago. I covered uh, a press conference. Uh, I don't even think that we qualifies as a press conference, but it was basically two morons standing out front of the judicial building in, in, in Montgomery. Um, and these people were angry because our state appeals court uh, had upheld um, a lower court's order that allowed a 12-year-old to get an abortion without parental consent because a family member had raped her. And so they were upset about this. Under this Texas law, those idiots outside of that federal building that day would have had the right to sue that 12-year-old to stop this. Mm. And that's what we're talking about. That's what's been done now in Texas. And I, I can't, it is, it is the most cowardly and atrocious thing that I think I have ever heard of. 
Well, it's 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 the worst. I think it is the worst, most egregious uh, violation of uh, civil liberties that I think we've seen. You know, beyond just the the uh, the obvious, which of course is, you know, uh, trying to dictate to women outside of their families and consultation with medical doctors what they can and can't do with their own bodies and what's Mm -hmm. inside of their own bodies. But in addition to that, it creates basically what is tantamount to a fascist state Mm -hmm. in Texas, because as you said, it, it empowers people to do, uh, to be, you know, to use common street parlance to be snitches. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is really almost exactly like, what the United States has been complaining about in Cuba for years. Yes. You know, the United States has always said one of the problems with the Cuban government is not only is it oppressive, but it enables and facilitates oppression from average citizens, basically creating communities of spies. Well, that's what Texas is doing. So how in the heck is Texas any different from Cuba at this particular juncture when it comes to abortion? It's not. No. That's the answer. No. It's not. No. It's it is. I mean, it really is, man. Listen, I and I'm gonna say this as a because I, I, I want to define kind of where where I stand on on, on like uh, the abortion issue here. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't even know how the the proper way to term it. I mean, because I want to say I don't care for abortion, and but that that's not. I mean, how do you not care for a, you know a medical procedure? You know what I mean? It's not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Um, it's it's not something that I think that I would, um, you know, if if that, if that was a situation, you know, the, the most common one that you always that people always think of is, you know, the the guy and the girl in in high school and and you know, oops, she gets pregnant and then they run to the abortion clinic or whatever. I you know, I don't know that I would be um, in favor of that. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't stand in the way uh, mm-hmm. or anything, but if, uh, you know what I'm saying? My preference would be not, not to have the abortion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, it would be a kind of avoiding it in, at all costs not for, for that if, if I could. However, 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 that ain't my decision, man. You know, right. that ain't, that ain't for me to decide. That ain't, I'm not the one I, you know, my, I watched what my wife went through in having our daughter uh, over the course of time. That ain't something that you take lightly, man. You know, that ain't that ain't a change that you take lightly, that that a responsibility that you take lightly uh, to put on somebody. Um, And and if they don't want to do it, that's their decision to not do it. You know, there there are some things that I think that, that should be done under the law, in my opinion, about uh, timing of abortion, uh, you know, but that's, that's just what I think and what I would, what I would support. I would not support anything that would take away the choices, particularly when it comes to health and life, uh, crimes that are perpetrated on people, uh, all, none of that would, you you know what, get the hell out of the way. Who are you? You know, who the hell are you to set, to tell some kid that, or anybody of any age that they have to have a baby after they have been attacked by somebody. You know, who right. the hell are you that, right. that you've got to do that? I, well, I you just, and I are, are pretty much on the same page, I think. Um, I, I think categorically the problem with attempts to um, 
to ban abortion is that we are a nation that claims, uh, you know, individual liberty is paramount. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to something that's more intimate than even wearing a face mask yeah. or getting a vaccine, we want to empower the government to insert itself between a woman and her doctor and her significant other when it comes to whether or not she should, you know, be giving birth or whether or not she should terminate a pregnancy. The government does not belong in a woman's body. Mm-mm. The government does not belong there. No. So, you know, and how in the hell people can say the government has no right to tell me whether or not to wear a face mask or to put a face mask on my child, but then can turn around and say, but the government has every right to go inside your womb and block you from making mm-hmm. that decision is beyond me. Yeah. That's beyond you, me. You you now, have to have this baby. You have to do this thing for nine months. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and, and it doesn't matter whether or not you've been raped. It doesn't matter whether or not, uh, you know, statutorily or, or non-statutorily, it doesn't matter whether or not, uh, you have decided that for, you know, personal reasons, whether it's due to your relationship with the, the person who impregnated you or financial reasons, it doesn't matter. You know, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Uh, and in fact, Texas has gone, I think, beyond the pale, even in saying your very health doesn't matter. You yeah. can't even do this for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, that is outrageous. Yeah. This it's- is... How this is going to stand, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I pray to the God that I worship, who I believe is on the side of this issue that I'm on. I pray to the God that I worship that this does not stand, that there, that there is a galvanization, a mobilization of people who will fight this to the death. And I'll be one of them. Mm-hmm. I'll be one of them because I think I this is as disgustingly wrong as any law that we've seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. And you know, you know, as well as I do that there are people rushing right now in every, every red state out there to, to write similar laws that will be, uh, oh, yeah. that can go into effect. Uh, uh, you know, Alabama's got a worse law on the books right now that's still being challenged. Uh, you know, it's, it's on the books. It's not enforceable because a, a court has blocked it. Uh, but it's actually worse than the Texas law. I mean, it just basically it outlaws all abortion. Uh, you know, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It, there's no. There's no six week anything about uh, up to this, and um, and so it, it's. Um, you know, it, it's. You're right you know, when you talk when you compare it to uh, to the virus and and what we've tried to do to mitigate the virus and um, you know and, and that's a public health emergency that you know that's something that it, you know I, I hate to compare them because. You know, you, you can't get somebody else pregnant, you know, because you're pregnant. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but you can spread that damn virus to everybody and kill them. Uh, and so if, you know, if I want to stop you from from spreading that virus, I, you know, I think that's a public health emergency that we that we ha- that we absolutely have the right to do as a as a country in a civilized society uh, to implement measures to stop that. But, you know, this is a this is a personal sort of a choice out of this. And, and what we've done, what Texas has done at this point, is basically they've given the virus more reproductive rights than they have women. Um, hmm. And, you know, and that's, it, it is, hmm. it, it, it's, that's it's a great point. I like it's, that. It's, yeah. it's really atrocious, man. It really is. I can't take full credit. Somebody said that the other day, but, and, and I don't know who it was, but um, it, it just is, 
I mean, I, you know, from and from a political standpoint, I think it's a uh, it, it's a hell of a blow. It's going to be a hell of a blow for uh, for Republicans uh, on this because um, you you we tend to have this feeling, and I think it works to it to compare it again to the to the virus and the vaccine and the a mask deal. Uh, we have this idea that these people who are anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers are somehow approaching majority status. And it you look at the polling on those things, they are so far not the majority uh, in there. I mean, they are a tiny minority of people uh, mm-hmm. there. And the same is true for the abortion issue. Even in the state of Alabama, the majority of people here believe in abortion rights, uh, believe in a woman's right to, to be able to choose. Now, there are qualifications that, that are popular among voters and among people uh, in all states. Uh, some I want to say some 60 to 70 percent believe that there should be some sort of a limit uh, time-wise on when you can have an abortion. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, some 70 percent of voters believe that the, the right to choose is law and it should remain that way. So... This is not this is not an unpopular deal. This is this is what happened Wednesday night is going to be a huge problem for them. Well, and I and I think it's it's great that that apparently most people have that point of view. But I would contend that even if our point of view was in the minority, it is what is right. It is what is consistent with the spirit of democracy and constitutional uh, constitutionally guaranteed civil liberties. So, right, you know, regardless of, you know, I don't really care what the majority of people think or don't think on these kinds of issues. I'm mm-hmm. concerned about what is the right thing. Yeah. And in fact, if you look back in the history of our nation, Josh, this nation was founded actually, uh, if you go back to people like uh, founder Roger Williams or co founder Roger Williams of this country. You know, and he's probably the best example. He was a proponent of protecting the rights of the minority against the majority. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a key cornerstone of democracy, protecting the rights of those who are in the minority on an issue to follow their conscience as long as it doesn't, you know, impinge on somebody else's right. That's key to being a democracy. And and what I think we're seeing with this kind of ruling um, is is uh, we're we're seeing the laying of a foundation for the erosion of that constitutional concept, even though, as you said, the polling suggests that it actually is with us. But we're still seeing, I think, the the the, you know, efforts to to chip away at this. And um, and people ought to be concerned because it's not going to stop with this. You know, like you said, it's going to spread to other states. And I think it's also going to spread to other issues. Mm -hmm. That's what I think, to other issues. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, and I I understand what you're saying about the the minorities' opinions and everything being being protected. Uh, But I'll tell you what I have a real problem with uh, with this, too, is that this opinion was essentially made possible by the appointment of, of three judges there that were um appointed by people who did not win the popular vote for president. That's a good point. Um good and point. and two of them are are in seats that are outright stolen uh mm. from them. Um you know, uh, Gorsuch which should be Merrick Garland's seat. Uh 
because he was properly appointed by Obama and they held it up. Uh, and then uh, the uh, what's it, what's it, the Barrett? Oh, uh, uh, Amy um, uh, Coney Barrett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she, uh, you know, uh, eight days before an election. Uh, when well, I thought we had set a precedent that we couldn't do that in an election year, you know, I mean, it's right. just me. Right. Um, and, and of course, would not have been able to to seat her eight days later. Uh, it would have it, that would not have happened. Um, because you know, the, at that point, the, the Democrats would have. Well, I guess they're actually in a, in a few months they would have had control of uh, right. The Senate. Yeah, because they would have. Um, yeah, wouldn't yeah. kick so, in until but, January. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know, at the same time, you know, we. Um, so that to me is a problem. Uh, you know, it's already a problem to me that the Senate, uh, the balance of the Senate here, the people that are that were in the uh, that have 50 percent of the power are are represented by eight million fewer or are representing eight million fewer people. Uh, that's already a, a, a pretty big problem uh, for me. But um, you know, with that amount of power and appointing these judges, which is where this thing came from. You know, the Fifth Circuit uh, was uh, is where the the appeal came from. Uh, to the Supreme Court, and they they were the ones that upheld this atrocious law, and and that is a a court that is packed packed with morons. All right, and I, I you know, and I, I don't call a lot of judges morons because I believe that once you, especially at the federal level, once a lot of people land at the federal level on the bench, that you know a lot of this partisan you know kind of bullshit goes away. Um, and even with the Supreme Court on a lot of levels, it's it should go away. And you see that most commonly with uh, John Roberts uh, on that court. Uh, you know, the partisan bullshit kind of goes away with him. And and you rule based on precedent and based on laws. And, um, and you know, I disagree with a lot of his thinking, mainly, you know, in the Shelby County decision that, that yeah. stripped voting rights. Uh, but I, uh, you know, there are some other things that have happened where I think he went with the law and, and, and stopped with, you know, he could be consistent, I guess. Well, he's, but, he's been better than than most. But yeah. I think uh, but I think he's almost atypical. I, I kind of disagree with you on the uh, the politicization of the courts. I think I think uh, the courts have been very much <clears throat> very successfully politicized by the right wing. And um, and I think John Roberts has just had the courage, I'll say, at times uh, and maybe he's just uh, maybe he's uh, a little bit idiosyncratic. I don't know, but but he he's at least at the very least it appears as though he's he's shown some courage to make some decisions that were based on law and precedent, which is what you expect your Supreme Court to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, but you know uh, I think this should really be this should really be a wake up call for Democrats mm-hmm. and for liberals. Because what we are really reaping is the whirlwind that was sown during uh, the Bush years and and even to some degree the Reagan year, even going back as far as Reagan. Uh, you know, the uh, there has been probably for about 30 or so years a systematic attempt and effort, strategy, campaign, whatever you want to call it by the right wing that involved, of course, at the center of this, the Federalist Society, mm-hmm. to reshape and restructure uh, the court system so that ideologically, as much as possible, the federal courts could be moved to the right. And they've mm-hmm. been very successful in doing that. McConnell has probably been uh, the biggest ally of the Federalist Society and the right wing on this. And then, of course, Trump uh, even more successfully than Reagan or the two Bushes, I think, um, 
you know, was very successful in pushing through Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these right wing judges. And so that's what we're reaping right now. And it's going to it's going to be a long time, Josh, in my opinion, before we'll be able to get some ideological balance on the federal courts. I think that's that that I mean, there are pockets here and there where I think. Uh, you know, there's there's some manifestation of balance, but I think uh, I think in many ways we're in trouble, and especially at the top. Well, I tell you what, I think they have what what we have reaped in a here is the lack of a spine of the Democratic Party as a whole. Um, you know, no matter what you think of of the Republican viewpoint on things, no matter how you feel about the things that they have done. The fact of the matter is, is that they believed in what they believed in. And they didn't give a damn what anybody thought. They didn't care about bipartisanship. They didn't care about what the headline said about them. They didn't care about people screaming here or there about this stuff or that. They went out and did what they wanted to do. And they did it by force. They did it by underhanded tactics. They did it by the most shady shit you've ever seen, um, and they don't care. And right now, they are reaping the benefits of playing the game better than the Democrats played the game. I agree. And, and I agree. until, listen, if you believe in what you're doing, mm-hmm. go and do it. You know now what the rules are, and the rules are there aren't any rules, all right? There, it's get done what you want to get done, and don't worry about anything else. So- Blow up that damn filibuster, expand that court, get the get the Voting Rights uh, Act pushed through, get the you know get whatever you have to get to get it done. And if Mansion and Cinema won't get on board, you put enough pressure on them until they fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like wh- uh, whoever did it with Trent Lott, you put enough pressure on them, they'll fold. I guarantee you they'll fold because nobody can handle that amount of pressure. And and so. Keep putting it on them. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, this is, you know, we're not playing patty cakes here or uh, Uno. I mean, this is politics. So, you know, uh, but this is, I mean, this is people's lives. Literally, it's people's lives. It it is people's lives. It's people's lives and it's politics. And and I think, uh, you know, Schumer and, um, you know, I think Pelosi actually seems more inclined to do what you're talking about than Mm -hmm. Schumer does. Schumer doesn't seem, I mean, he kind of talks a good game sometimes, but I, I don't get the sense that he's really ready to, you know, we were joking earlier about the mafia and Godfather and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I, Schumer doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's really ready to bust some kneecaps. No, and, no, he's not. He's not that yeah. guy. And and you're going to need that guy to go and, and, and be cunning and be uh, ruthless with people um, and, you know, and to just not care. I mean, it. listen, you... If they can do what they've done with a minority, then you damn well ought to be able to do it with a majority. You know what I mean? Yeah. With a majority of the country is what I'm saying. With a majority of voters and a majority of representation. If they can do it with a minority that's as small as what they've got, then we ought to damn well be able to do it with a majority. And I am tired of watching people apologize uh, for the stance that, that they're taking uh, and to lay down on, on things. You know, you got to stand up and start taking some shots, man. You know, so, um, Steve Harvey does this uh, has this comedy routine that he 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 had done uh, years ago. Uh, it was called, uh, uh, I think it was called "He Ain't Through with Me Yet" or something. And it was he was doing it uh, at a TD Jakes Mega Fest, so it was a mm-hmm. clean 
routine. But he had this right. funny story that he told um, about how he said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm a baby Christian. You know, I'm not really uh, I'm not really fully converted yet. He said, you know, I'll cuss and I'll do some other things. And then he said uh, and then he said, and I keep some people around me. That uh, that don't know nothing about Jesus, <laughs> you know, because you gotta have some people. Yeah, you gotta have yes. some people that are gonna throw some punches. Basically, is what he was saying sometimes. Yeah. And I think, and I think this in politics, I think that's just a reality. You know, you gotta yeah. have some people around you that are willing to roll up their sleeves and and do some of the dirty work. Because mm-hmm. that's what politics is. There's just no way around it. Yeah, yeah. You, they they need somebody. Yeah, they need they need somebody to come in with with the muscle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they need a little muscle, and they need to 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 handle business. And um, you know, and until they do, um, it, it this is the way it's going to be. This is they're going to continue to lose to this nonsense. And and it, it's a shame because it is people's lives that we're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you believe that you can offer people a better life than what the other side is, which is a pretty low bar at this point, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, uh, get, get your ass out there and do it and stop with this stop nonsense. All right. We, we need to slide out. We'll come back in just a minute. Uh, Representative Patricia Todd is going to come on and, uh, and talk uh, about uh, the way uh, Republicans have been misusing all of our money uh, for economic incentives. And mm. Which, you know, I think we all knew that. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more with her. Back in a minute, Alabama Politics This Week. All right, welcome back. We are uh, joined now, Alabama Politics This Week, with uh, Beth Clayton Pierce from uh, Turn It Blue Digital. Um, and y'all... I, you know, I know Beth from a while back, and despite my feelings for her, I still let her come on. Um, and um, so, I mean, and, and listen, this is how I treat all advertisers, so that's the reason we have none. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, I, actually, I, I do know Beth, and so, and I know she does a great job uh, with stuff. And I know that uh, what we are, what we would like to do uh, with our show is help people that are trying to get on ballots. Uh, from on the Democratic side of things, especially in this state, um, and to give them options that will help them with their campaigns, especially affordable options for candidates down the ballot. Uh, and I know, Beth, that's that's kind of what y'all specialize in, right? Exactly. Yeah. After 2016, when he who shall not be named was elected, we saw a lot of people, particularly women and people of color, stepping up to run for office. And that was really, really exciting. But the problem was specifically in those communities, the power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't um, is kind of an old boys club. And we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like they do. Yeah. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give give people an example of, of what you could do if, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission, or they wanted to run for, for you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online, to have everything set up and running smoothly from launch day forward. So this is a 
single scroll website, a logo and branding kit, because we know everybody loves those yard signs. Um, this is your Act Blue setup, so you can start raising money from day one. Uh, your social media setup and branding, your email list, all of that is included in your launch kit. And we can have that from concept to implementation in two weeks. So it's a pretty quick turnaround because we know everybody wants to hit the ground running. And we did that really because we didn't want to see people struggling with these piecemeal campaigns because let's face it, the Republicans outbrand us left, right, and sideways. We've got to step up our game and look professional. And so that's what a launch kit does. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up, um, is a ad buying platform. So if you want to jump into programmatic ad buying right now, um, your options are to sign on with an agency that's gonna give you a pricey minimum, usually five or $10,000 in ad spending, um, and spend ads through a consultant who's taken a big commission on it or to use something like democraticads.com where you know they're gonna take every penny you've got to go towards buying themselves another house with a pool in DC. So our plan, they do, they have a house with a swimming pool in DC. Nobody has that much money, nobody needs that much money. Um, our goal is to actually get your ads in front of voters. We're not trying to get rich off of it. So we created this platform where you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff, um, all through this ad platform. And candidates can do it themselves at three o'clock in the morning when they're sitting up in their pajamas trying to get their campaign off the ground because that's usually when the work gets done on these type of races. So Beth, let me ask you just a couple of quick questions. One, how tech savvy does one have to be in order to be able to operate this launch pad or execute this launch pad? So the ad platform is really, really simple. Um, I'm gonna actually test it out with my mom in the next few weeks because <laughs> if my mom can figure it out, I'm confident anybody's got it. Um, and we're we're designing it so that your average person, as they, they go in, it guides you through step one, step two, step three. Um, and then we've got a really robust health doc system and we're always here to answer your questions. So I think anybody, if you have a working knowledge of, you know, how to set up ads on Facebook or how to set up ads just kind of in a basic process like that, we're, we're confident you can figure it out. My other question is, is this a, a service or product? Uh, well, it actually sounds like it's a little bit of both a service and a product that circumvents mainstream media in terms of advertising or does it integrate with mainstream media? So it's going to integrate in that sense that, you know, 92% of the digital ad inventory on, you know, the whole World Wide Web is outside of the walled gardens of social media. So if you're only running your ads on Facebook and Instagram, then that's, that's leaving you to 8% of available ad space. We're the other 92%. So what that means is when you go to CNN.com, you go to AL.com, you go to um, whatever your you know food network to figure out what you're making for dinner, that's where our ads appear. So it's it's a little bit of both. It's, we follow users, not sites. So wherever your target audience is online, and let's be honest, people do some weird stuff online. Um, we follow them and deliver ads so that the people you want to see those ads are actually the one seeing it, not necessarily just specific sites. 
All right. So I guess the most important question, um, how do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep. So we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me SC Clayton five. Um, you can email me Beth at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, Owls, smoke signals, really any way that you want to get in touch with me, I'll, I'll find you. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. Yeah, and if, you, if somebody will, will call me or email me, I'll send you her, her private cell number too, so that's no problem. Oh, I um, love it right. when people give out my private cell phone. Great. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, listen, uh, you, as you can tell, Beth knows what she's doing, um, and, and they do a great job. And, and listen, y'all stop running crappy campaigns out there, okay? Uh, it's, it's cheaper than you think. It really, really is. Uh, and, and we'll help them out. Y'all, y'all give her a call or uh, send her an email and we'll get this thing done. Thanks, Beth. Thanks. See y'all later. All right, All right. Beth. All righty. Welcome back in. We are happy now. Alabama politics this week. David Person, Josh Moon. Uh, we have got rep- or former, I'm sorry, former representative. <laughs> Patricia Todd with us now, and um, uh, it, 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 it's really weird to call you former representative, Patricia Todd. <laughs> I wish yeah. I was still there, Josh. I really do. Uh, look, believe me, we all wish you were still there, okay? <laughs> we all wish you were still there. And I, I could pick at least five Republicans that I would pr- replace you with um, mm, right absolutely. just off the top of my head. Uh, all five of them. Uh, but, just five? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know, right? Fifty more would be more like it. Uh, but all right, so I, I wanted you to come on because I read the story that we we had in APR. Uh, Eddie Burkhalter wrote the story about a report from uh, Jobs to Move America uh, about Alabama's lack of transparency in its economic development incentives. And and you are serving as a spokesperson for? Yes, for- I, I authored the report, spent a year after I left the legislature researching and looking at best practices and wrote the report. All right. And, and it does not seem as though we have the best practices. <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah. do not. So I, I guess uh, let, let's give everybody kind of an overview of of what the report says about Alabama and its economic incentives that it hands out to companies trying to locate here. Well, basically, it says we can't find much information about them. The um, and I was there when we passed this law that exempts uh, tax incentive agreements from Public Records Act. So you can't get the agreements to see what the state promised or the company promised and. There is a huge lack of transparency and accountability. Now, in 2018, the legislature passed a bill that said that, you know, um, they they will review incentives every couple of years. And they started the first report this year. The fiscal agency gave a report to legislators. But all they said was, under this incentive, here's how many people applied or entities applied. Here, how many people awards were made and here's the fiscal impact. It does not tell you how many jobs they were supposed to create, any clawbacks that were, you know, instituted or what the terms of the agreement are. So, what well, we're not opposed to incentives. I think mm-hmm. if they're used effectively, they can do a lot for job creation, but let's look at this. Alabama is at a 3% unemployment rate. That's practically full employment. It is ridiculous to think we're doling out millions of dollars to private 
profitable corporations to create jobs when we don't have that many people unemployed. Right. right. Yeah. No, you're right. And you're and you're right to say too, I, I'm not opposed to, to any economic incentives. I'm not even, I'll say this, and which is probably uh, blasphemous for a person in the media to say, which I'm not even opposed to you keeping them secret on the front end. Mm-hmm. But I am opposed to you keeping them secret after the deal has been signed. Exactly. Uh, so is there is there no mechanism for us to go and get these things at any point? Well, Jobs to Move America is going to be getting some, I'm already drafting legislation um, to try to improve the accountability and transparency. One is to remove that exemption from the agreement so we can see what's in the agreement. Um, the second is to have a third party evaluator, not Department of Commerce, evaluating their own incentives. OK, that's like the fox garden hen house. Right. Um, but there's other things that need to be done. One, we believe that any and we we only focused on manufacturing because that's mm-hmm. the biggest boom in Alabama. Uh, we believe that these corporations should pay a living wage. Right now they pay on average 13, 15 bucks an hour. You can't live on 13, 15, I don't care where you live, you, you can't. And if you have a family, forget it. Um, and that um, they should be good jobs that we're creating. And one thing I found in my research and in, in, is that a lot of these local governments that also exempt these corporations from property and sales and use tax, sometimes income tax, they don't ever get a report on if they met the terms of the agreement, nor do they request a report. You know, most of these localities are run by part-time elected officials who just don't have, they're not stupid, they just don't have the capacity to understand what the impact is. Um, Now, government officials are going to say, well, you know, we created this many jobs. Well, to me, an indicator should be, have we affected the poverty rate in Alabama? And have we increased the average family income for the state? Those would be my two indicators. Um, You know, there's just so much that we can do. Now, Kentucky, this isn't Massachusetts or California, this is Kentucky. (laughs) Kentucky passed a law that requires the legislature to review and pass an independent economic tax incentive budget. So they know exactly how much every year they're going to appropriate for these incentives. Um, It's a great bill. We're having this drafted as well. That will be a while, you know, in Alabama before we get something like that passed. But you know me, I'm going to push it all out there. It gives us talking points. The thing I want people to know is this is your tax money. And you won't see an accountability accounting of it because a lot of times we're abating the taxes. So it doesn't show up on any budget spreadsheet because mm-hmm. we never collect the tax. That's the hardest thing to get a grip on. Um, so we want to know, and those local taxes would go to pay for things like um, public service, you know, law enforcement. Um, jails, police officers, you know, and when you're not collecting the money, you don't have the money to allocate to those vital resources. Which really leads to my first question, uh, Patricia, what have you been able to quantify, you know, 
using dollar values. Have you been able to quantify the impact on the state? Well, that's a great question. The, the, you know, we think there should be a process here. There is an organization called Good Jobs First, and I encourage, you know, people who are listening to this, go to their website, goodjobsfirst.org. They're a nonprofit research think tank who I work closely with. They actually did the forward to my uh, paper. Um, and they're the ones that had the most accurate listing of incentives. And it will shock you to see what Alabama has given away over the last 30 years. The most recent one is the Toyota Mazda uh, deal. That deal is almost a billion dollars with a B, not an M, a B. And, you know, just some things to come to my mind is Huntsville's growing, obviously that part of the state's growing. And do we really need to create, you know, a thousand jobs there? Uh, they're practically at full employment, too. I mean, you know, so you got to I'd like to here's what I'd like to know. What is the process for getting these things approved? What do you look at? What are the matrix? Um, have some requirements in there for living wage that they, you know, if you're a polluter, we're going to call, you know, claw back some of those incentives. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Josh, when I got elected in 06, we had a special session. Riley was still governor. We had a special session with one purpose, to increase the debt limit for the state so we could give Thurston Crump an mm -hmm. incentive. It was mm -hmm. a huge incentive. Of course, all of us that had just gotten elected got tax incentives. Well, we didn't know what the heck we were voting on. <laughs> and, um, you know, Riley made such an appeal. I don't think I voted for it. I'd have to go back and look, but it passed unanimously. So we increased the debt limit. And then that company went bankrupt. Yeah. Gave a billion dollars and they went yeah. bankrupt. Yeah. So, and word of mouth is that we did claw back some of those incentives, but we don't get a report on what the clawbacks were. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, what are you trying to hide? So there's, so there's no real accounting. From what you're saying, there's no real accounting. There's no oversight. Are there any regulatory processes, at the very least, that have to be followed in order to, uh, you know, measure the impact and give us some sense beyond just merely granting the incentives? No, there's not. Um, <laughs> No. They pretty much can do whatever they want. Now, they're, you know, we just touch the surface with what we, there's other things we need to take a deeper dive in. One is industrial development boards. These are set up by municipalities in the state. They are a separate corporation, okay? The legislature passed a bill that allowed them to be a separate corporation. These entities can purchase a great deal of land, for example, the Mercedes plant sits on a plot of land actually owned by the state of Alabama. So they will never pay property taxes. Okay. Let that mm -hmm. sink in. Mm -hmm. And um, so they go out and they buy property and then set up, you know, um, uh, industrial development centers where they can recruit a business into, but because they're low, they're owned by them, they don't, pay property taxes. So what is the role of the industrial development boards? They're the one really the ones making the 
decisions on local incentives. They actually mm-hmm. go to the county or city and say, we want to give X, Y, and Z to Corporation ABC. And usually the county and city say, oh, sure, that's fine. But I'll tell you something else I discovered. I got a call from a current elected official, not in the legislature, um, who called me. Um, and he's in a, a small town in Alabama. He's not running for re-election. That's why he could tell me this. Yeah, right. um, who informed me that that city was exempting sales tax receipts from like Jack's restaurant. Local restaurants, mom and pop restaurants were furious because you're given an incentive to a competitor. And this is a town of about 3,000 people, okay? And they are giving away their children's school dollars. And to Jacks. And to Jacks of all people. And they're actually building the facility for Jacks. I mean, some of this stuff is beyond comprehension. You're like, scratch your head, like, what are they thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I think we're assuming that they're thinking. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, well, it is. Somebody's benefiting from this. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, there's a, yeah, all, as, as somebody has once said, all, the answers to all of your questions is money. Yep. Uh, that's the reason why. All uh, of the money. Yeah, it's always that way. And, you know, and, and what, what troubles me most about the things, uh, this stuff, is I, I can I can let go of a lot of the tax stuff that happens. You know, the, you know we, we give a break on this tax or that tax and uh, to lure things in because, you know, it's all for the workers. It's all for the workers. You know, we're going we're gonna to get these good jobs to come in here to, to do this. But there's this is my biggest problem is there's never a standard for the workers. There's net, you know, there was all, you know, I, I won't name the car company, but I lived in a city for a while that had a major car manufacturing plant in it, uh, in Alabama. So you can probably narrow that down pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, that, oh, this is uh, going to be great. Oh, look at these great jobs. And when it turned out that, you know, roughly 50% of them were temp workers with no benefits, uh, that they were putting in. Um, and, you know, yeah. and that's, yeah. they all use temp agencies to hire these workers, you know. And then they bring them in to like 13, 15 bucks an hour. And then they have to pay part of their hourly wage for health insurance premium. Yeah. And then they say, but then that also allows them to say that our full-time employees earn up to, you know, $45 an hour, even though they're, you know, half of the people working there are working through the temp agency. So they're not their full-time employees. And so, you know, it's all a big circle on the thing. And it just, that's what, if we're going to do it, great, you know, fine but protect the people that need the most protection and stop protecting those guys at the top. Well, it's, it's people over profits. You know, that's sort of it's simple way to put it, you know, also because we're a so-called right to work state and hate labor so much that a lot of these companies have gotten away, as we saw with Amazon, um, who received millions and millions of dollars in incentives from Bessemer um, could cheat on a union election. Um, and we see that happening. The car manufacturers the same way. They try to go in and organize at Mercedes or Honda, and the company goes all anti-union on them. And the other thing that we're trying to educate people, let's look at what built the South, you know. Um, and unions were very, very strong here, you know, 20, 30 years ago. We've now seen a decline in union membership. Part of that is manufacturing going overseas. But also because these companies 
do they, they have deep pockets, like we saw with Amazon, to fight off any order, organizing by workers. We believe workers have the right to organize if they want to, but they should have all the information to make an educated decision about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a uh, you know, especially up in in North Alabama where I am, um, you know, TVA. Uh, you know, your your grandparents or great grandparents would have been dead in the ditch uh, without them coming through and and solving this. And and we're still uh, in this area uh, majority pro union. Um, and and it's it's really troubling. That if, uh, along the same lines with that same car manufacturer, an offshoot, a supplier there one time, I wrote about their uh their employees trying to unionize and the next week uh i got a visit from seven lawyers uh at the the newspaper i swear to god i swear Uh, the next week i I got a visit from seven lawyers at the newspaper that wanted to just sit down and talk to me about what was going on Uh, and so i listened to them for 45 minutes or so uh, me and my editors there and uh, at the end of it i said well let me ask you a question Y'all own plants all over this country, in different countries. I said, but let's just focus on the ones you own all over the country. In any of those plants that you own, because you told me that they are unionized at some of your plants, do any of those plants that are unionized, do their average worker's salary, is it less than the non-union plants? And they're like, well, you know, know, we're apples and oranges, apples and oranges, you know, it's just, you know, so, and that's, you know, it's not. And, And that to me, until... Uh, that's uh, again. I, I don't. I'm I'm fine with the tax incentives for for the most part. If, if we're being honest and and we, and we open it up, but it just to protect the people that you got to protect on, on this because we're not we're not doing that. And and you know, I tell you another good example is Remington up here. You oh know, yeah, yeah. The gun company. I mean, the, right. the the amount we we handed them. It's just insane. This this whole deal, and you can never get. I, I don't know. Is it fear? from the legislators in this state that they won't they won't go after this? No, I don't think they understand, Josh. I, I do not think, and I don't mean that they're stupid, but they don't have the bandwidth. I sat on that education committee for eight years at uh, the Ed Budget Committee. That's mm-hmm. where I first, be, I first became curious about this. It kept asking, can I see a report about that? Who got those incentives? I'm sorry that we can't, that it's proprietary information. I'm going, I'm sorry. I have a fiduciary responsibility as a legislator to know where the tax money's going or not going. They're not being collected. And um, there's so much of this. I mean, we exempt um, a lot of nonprofits from paying sales tax. And that was a big issue. And because I started doing research about which nonprofits were getting the sales tax exemption, and some of them were crazy, you know, like a dog park somewhere. I mean, really? Yeah. I don't mind giving an, a sales tax exemption to a United Way agency or to an agency that's furthering the mission of the state, like a soup kitchen, a homeless shelter, you know, something like that. But to give it to willy-nilly nonprofits, and then we can't really, we could not um, calculate how much of a loss that'd be to the state because we, we don't, you know, know how to do that. So there's just a lot that needs yeah. to be changed. Yeah, so, we just exempted airports. Yeah. 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 Really? I mean, show yeah. me the rationale there. Yeah. You got a captive audience. So, so you have, you have released this report 
what has been the reaction of the state government and uh, what do you expect the impact long term to be from your analysis? Well, um, <laughs> I don't know that anybody can really argue with a lack of transparency <laughs> and accountability. I mean, really, um, legislators I've talked to, you know, are very interested. They they fully agree. They don't know enough about this subject. Um, you know, unless you're sitting on a budget committee and you really take a deeper dive in this, you don't know what you're voting on. Um, that's why we're we want this, you know, separate budget just on incentives to be considered. So legislators really do know what they're voting on. Um, I haven't heard from anybody in state government. I'm sure Canfield and the governor and, you know, are, are not happy about it. Um, bring it on. You know, I'm not afraid of that. Um, and, you know, we're this is the first step to educate the public and elected officials about this topic and i'm hoping people will read it i've had some of my friends read it which i'm thankful for i'm like thank you i know that was like <laughs> well probably one of the most boring things you've ever read <laughs> um it when they get done with it they're like wow i had no idea i just thought all this i see ribbon cuttings i see the governor talking about job creation and you know meanwhile our poverty rate hadn't changed um, meanwhile, you know, we're not raising the median family income and our unemployment's gone down. So stop giving the farm away is what I said. Yeah, that's yeah, a I mean, I had an argument uh, last week with uh, with a Republican about, uh, you know, uh, economic development and how much great good that has been done here. And I said, well, OK, show me other than the unemployment rate. Show me any le- any measure that says we've done a good job. Uh, you know, what, what have you done okay. for anybody? And, uh, there, and of course there's not one. And it's, it's, you know, and it's, it goes back to the employees. Either you take care of them because who else is going to? And, exactly. uh, but, you know, exactly. I, I appreciate, you know, if nobody else did, and I didn't think it was boring, uh, but it, oh, you know, if, you. you know, if, if nobody else did, because it's my money, I want to know how my money's going, you know? So, uh, but yeah, listen, it's, it was good work and, and I really appreciate you, you doing that and, and coming on and spending time with us today and, you know, and, and answering our, our questions about the thing is really appreciative. Anytime, yeah. Josh, my favorite subject now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we do appreciate it. That's Patricia Totch. And uh, y'all really go check it out at uh, Jobs to Move America. Uh, we wrote a story about it at APR as well. You can find that on our website. It's got links to everything. So, uh, you know, check check that out because it's it's your money. It's your money and it's how they're spending it. And, and I think, you know, you would like to know these sorts of things. So, but uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry to call you Miss Todd, but you told me not to do that. So thank you, Patricia, for coming on. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Take Bye. care. Hey, everybody. If you wouldn't mind, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. Or maybe not even a nice one, just a rating and a review. Uh, just let us know what you think about the podcast. And uh, we've gotten to where we read some of these reviews on the air because some of them are uh, pretty funny and uh, clever. So be funny and clever and you'll get your uh, review read on the air. And uh, the rating helps us out a little bit as well. So if you don't mind, leave us a nice rating and a review or a terrible rating and a review, whatever you'd like to do. However you feel about the podcast, we appreciate your, your input. And uh, thanks for listening as always. All righty, welcome back uh, Alabama Politics this week. Uh, Patricia Todd is, is really fun to talk to. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know that there, there may be people 
probably not listening to us uh, that would disagree with some some of her stuff. But yeah, you know, that mm-hmm. she said has, has you know her legislative bills that she introduced. But uh, man, God, she was she was so much fun to cover, and um, and and just really you know a pleasure to talk to most of the time. Uh, just she knows her stuff. She's personable. She's funny and engaging, and it's just uh, it, it's really whoever selected her as their spokesperson. Uh, you've you've done an excellent job. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great. Um, yeah. I've interviewed her a couple times through the years and um and i think also and we didn't even say anything about this i mean she's got a unique place in alabama history you know as the first openly gay uh you know person elected to our state legislature yeah and um you know i think that's i think that's historic and it's notable and um, Mm -hmm. i think she's a good I think she's a good representative for for yes. that uh, that piece of history. I, I don't know anybody who dislikes Patricia Todd. Mm. Um, you know, even uh, you know, and she had some she had some really weird friendships. Uh, oh, did the state she? Legislature, yeah. Mm. She, I mean, like, you know, some some Republicans that you just would not think that she would have been friends with. She was too. Uh, one one that stood out with uh, Scott Beeson, mm. uh, the author of the immigration uh, bill. Uh, yeah, and HB fifty six. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a you know those kind of weird uh, friendships form sometimes. That uh, that is a weird one though. That's yeah, yeah that that's Scott Beeson. That strikes me as pretty strange. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, I know. No, it's uh you know I, I've talked to Beeson a, a couple of times uh, before. Um, mm. I don't agree with pretty much anything that ever comes out of his mouth, but mm-hmm. I will say he is a a very personable guy. Uh, okay. know, he does have a he does have a personality that that makes you want to like him until you know you start registering what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, come on. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> all right, moving along, moving along, um, gambling, uh, there is a new gambling push now. Um, and, uh, there are new ads that went up, uh, statewide starting, uh, Wednesday. Um, and basically just all the ads say are, oh, we're, we're, we're losing $700 million a year by not acting on gaming and, uh, you know, call your legislator and uh, let's get this thing done. And I'll be honest, man, I, I can't, I've, I've covered gambling for a long time here. Um, uh, and I would say, you know, I'm not gonna say I know more about this than anybody, but I know quite a bit about gambling in this state, its history, the fights here, the people who are involved, what's going on with it. I don't understand what's currently taking place um, because, and I'll tell you why, in all the previous fights uh, over gambling, there were clear-cut pro and con people for the bill uh, on, on any bill that came along. There were, there were people who were for it. There were people who were against it. Um, and... You know, you you could define them in the early days, in the lottery days, and then some of the other electronic gaming days. Um, that you know, it was a, a basically a church led effort that was mm-hmm. behind it, uh, and there were some other interests that were there as well. Uh, and then it kind of transformed itself into this battle between private casinos and and Indian casinos uh, that went back and forth for a while and kind of stalled the whole thing out. Right now, with this bill that we currently have, this comprehensive bill that would, you know, basically legalize gaming at eight sites, uh, ultimately uh, five initially, then the compact with the Port Creek Indians would would bump it up to eight. So that this bill, and also create a state lottery and, and other things. Um, there's no real opposition to it. 
you know, the churches aren't really fighting this thing. Nobody really cares anymore about, about mm. gaming in this state. You know, it's it's so prevalent. And we first of all, we already have it here at so many yeah. different locations. So many people are playing different things. Sports wagering is such a common thing now. You see the, all the, you know, the under, over-unders and lines on games when it won't ESPN and everywhere else. So it's become very common, not to mention all the states around us have ga- gaming in some form. Mississippi's got the casinos. Louisiana's got the casinos. Florida and Georgia and Tennessee all have lotteries. Um, so we're, th- there's no real push against it. In addition, the, the Porch Creek Indians and the casino, the track owners, they're all on the same side now. Uh, they're all pushing behind this one bill. Uh, so there's no opposition there. The legislature, uh, you know, they didn't really seem to be that big of a deal. I mean, there were some people that filibustered or whatever, but it was five or six guys. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. no, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So what the hell are we doing? You know, if everybody wants it and it's popular among voters, why why the hell can we not get this done? Yeah, well, that's a good question, and I don't I don't get it. Uh, I mean, to me, the the argument always made sense. Just even before the proliferation of uh, all the betting options that you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, it just it always made sense to me when you just looked at fundamentally, you know the impact that Alabamians who gamble have in other states, yep. the neighboring states. If you just look at that alone, and I think I told you before, you know, I, when uh, when I was in a meeting once with Milton McGregor and some other folks, and he was making his case here in North Alabama for uh, the legalization of gambling. And when he shared that, that information, I thought, well, that settles it for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, this is something that we need to be doing. So I don't understand it. I'm like you. I don't understand it. Um, you know, I I mean, it seemed as though the last session, I think it was the last session, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed as though there was some sort of hang up with the Porch Creek Indians. But if that's been resolved, uh, then the, the I don't know. What else yeah, no, the, the hang up there was with uh, a facility in Lowndes County that currently offers electronic gaming um, and whether or not that facility was going to be allowed to continue to exist. Uh, for, it's my understanding that they, they've worked that out, and I don't know what the ultimate resolution of that is, uh, but they, they worked that out shortly after. You know, well, well they, they worked it out shortly before the session was even over, but it was too late to get the bill through. Uh, but... So that's worked out, and everybody is, seems to be placated and and ready to move forward. And the, they they say they have the votes to do it, and they've counted them. They've counted them twice, and you know, and checked off their list. And uh, so you know, it's I, you know, at this point, we're not really even dealing with a with a gambling bill for the most part. We're dealing with an economic development bill. You know, um, uh, and, and yeah, I wrote that in in a column uh, for for Thursday, and it just. You're, you're talking about, all right, so if we do this right now at, at Victory Land, Victory Land, Green Track, Birmingham Racecourse, Mobile Greyhound Park, uh, a site in the Northeast, all three um, uh, Indian Casino locations that are currently operating, uh, and in Dothan. So if we do this, we're going to have basically resort casinos at those locations, right? You're going to have yeah. basically mm-hmm. what they have. You know, at, at Victory Land, I know for a fact there is. Uh, they've already set it up for uh, a great, a big entertainment venue there uh, that's going to attract concerts. They're going to have a like a, a theme park, a you know, family theme park there that they're going to have a uh, concert hall and that sort of thing. Uh, Birmingham is going to be a huge deal 
uh, that they're gonna they're gonna put together with a, the arena and try to attract you know boxing and all sorts of different stuff events there, um, you know because we did have for a period of time until they lost the world heavyweight champion uh, from this state, um, and so you know so we're gonna have that the northeast one up there is they're gonna create a, basically a water park type place there with a casino uh, and some a destination for for families and people to come to, so. We're going to employ twelve to fifteen thousand people. That's what the 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 estimates say here. Is that we're going to employ twelve to fifteen thousand people? I, what? What are you talking? What are we doing? That's yeah. a, you know. Yeah. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense why we're not doing this and we're not we're not moving forward because nobody there's there's nobody out there pushing back against it. You know, and, and- I, I I can't understand it. And I'll tell you what, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was up in uh, Connecticut for a wedding. And I, um, uh, the wedding party stayed um, because the bride was a member of the tribe mm-hmm. up there. The wedding party stayed on, uh, on the reservation in a uh, casino complex. Right. I got to tell you, and I, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've traveled across the United States, been in a lot of situations. I've been out of the country a number of times, you know, but I've never been to a place like this. No, it was a combination of uh, not only a big, huge casino, but it was a freaking mall. I mean, like. (laughs) You know, like the Galleria in Birmingham or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, only it was indoors. It was all enclosed. Right. But it was like the Galleria in Birmingham in terms of the caliber of stores and and the options and the eatery, the food options. And I mean, it was just amazing. And and they did just what you said, Josh. They It was a destination place for A-list performers, people like, the Doobie Brothers, Toto, Brian McKnight. They had this whole um, just amazing uh, play. And the hotel was great. The yeah. hotel was fantastic. Yeah, I'd say, you know, listen, I, I, I've been to, well, I, I, before the, the Victory Land uh, Hotel was, was shut down, I, w- I went through there and, uh, you know, and, and looked at it. It was a great, great hotel. The suites there were more fantastic. And, and the whole facility there is really, you know, a really top-notch facility. And, um, you know, and though, and I've been to all the, the Porch Creeks, uh, locations, uh, you know, the, mm. those Wind Creek facilities around and, and did, you know, we, we went with a photographer and we took photos and uh, did a story about them. And, uh, you know, they got bowling alleys and, you know, restaurants. And mm. I mean, really, they've got a couple of really, really good restaurants in some of those places. Um, and it, it's a, um, I don't, I just don't understand, man. I, I don't understand what we're doing. Uh, you know, that, that Northeast portion of the state where they're going to, the, the, the tribe is going to put a new hotel under this bill, uh, hotel and casino and resort area. It's, I mean, it needs something right there. It is, you could, the amount of money you could, and we had them on before and talked about this, and, you know, the amount of money you would generate by taking money from other states. We've been giving it to other yeah. states from these portions for so long, we can now take some back from them. And it's just, yeah. you know, it, it seems like such a no-brainer. I just don't understand what's going on with this. I, and, and you know, and they can't get the governor to act. Maybe if we told them it was a tax on working people somehow, she'd act. Um, <laughs> seemed to be all on damn board for that, you know. That's we can funny. call it a gas yeah, tax, sad, you know. Sad funny, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. If we yeah. could, you know, if we could t- figure out, listen, we're going to give people gambling, but we're going to take some of their money, some of the working people's money. How about that? Does that yeah. make you want to do it more? <laughs> um, but you know, um, uh, one other thing we wanted to get to before we wrap her up is, uh, they, right after, I guess the day after we, we, we did record the show last week, uh, they released the body cam footage, uh, from the police shooting in Huntsville, uh, William Ben Darby, uh, who has been convicted of murder. Uh, they were finally able to get the, uh, the police, uh, the body cam uh, video from him, uh, and the other two officers who were on the scene, uh, when the shooting took place and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I called it the Ray Rice phenomenon. Um, you know, and Ray Rice was a, a running back for the Baltimore Ravens, um, who, uh, who everybody found out he had assaulted his girlfriend or wife, uh, in a, in a hotel, a casino hotel, uh, some, at, at some it's in the elevator. Yeah, yeah, in the elevator, and and everybody was like, "Oh well, that's terrible, man. No, that's uh, he ought to be suspended for at least like half of half a game. Uh, you know, it's terrible." And then the video come out, and Ray Rice never played another down in the NFL. Yeah, and because uh, he because he because he beat her like she was a man. I yes. mean, he it was it was, I did watch that video. It was mm-hmm. most one of the most horrific things I had seen at that time. I mean, just yep. horrible. Yeah. But but it's it's the. I guess it's human nature. It's, uh, you know, to be able to see the atrocious behavior is different from somebody telling you about the atrocious yeah. behavior uh, yeah. and you having to envision it in your head. Because I think most people, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. When you hear about something bad happening, you don't automatically go to the worst possible thing the way it could look. Um, and, and that's, you know, what happened, I think, with this, even as bad as it was, even with the accounting of of what Darby did when he got there and how he treated the people and the fact that he <laughs> murdered another man uh, that never threatened him, it's still, there, there was still this thing, I guess, until you saw it, you just didn't, it did not register with you just how unbelievably awful it was. And, I mean, to watch him walk through that door in 11 seconds, scream at that man to put the gun down a couple of times and then boom. And, and that's after you've listened to the other two officers who were there and the, the female officer who was on the scene, whose name I, I will not butcher again uh, for your benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she did, she was, she was doing such a good job. She she really, you know, let's don't do this. Let's talk about this. Uh, you know, and then even after he showed up and started barking orders, so, you know, put your effing gun on him. You know, he can shoot you. Uh, and, and, and her, you know, she, she put the gun, her gun up for a minute and then you know, she lowered it. She was like, you know, I don't want to escalate it to that. Uh, I just, you know, please put the gun down, please. And, and she couldn't even get the second one out before he shot him. And, you know, and, and the man, he had a flare gun to his head and he yeah. never moved it away from there. And it's God. Well, you know, and some of our listeners may, may know I've been, directly involved in the aftermath of this uh, with uh, in my role as media liaison for the Rosa Parks Committee founded Uh by our friend State Representative Laura Hall. Uh, I did not watch the video. And the reason I didn't watch it, Josh, was because I was just afraid that I would that my anger level would be uh, uncappable. Yeah. You know, uh, I just. This situation really angers me. It, it angers me very deeply and hurts me very deeply because this, this did not have to happen. 
And, 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 and on top of that, what angers me is that the mayor of Huntsville and the chief of police of Huntsville, even after seeing the video, yeah. looked me and other members of the Rosa Parks Committee in the face, in our faces, and tried to suggest that what Darby had done was acceptable. Mm-hmm. When every accounting of it, even without seeing the video, even just listening to you recount it, every recounting makes it crystal clear that what Darby did was beyond presumptuous, was outrageous, was egregious, and was murder. Mm-hmm. It was flat out murder, just like the jury said. Yep. So I, damn it, Josh, I, it, it yeah, well, I know, man. I know it's um, you know, to it listen, just angers me, man. It, it is, it is infuriating to know that not only that happened, but the way that they behaved after after seeing the video. Yes. Then after the jury convicted this man. Yes. To, to know the way that they behaved about this is so. And listen, this is not a political thing. This is not no. politics. It's a, I, no. you know, Tommy Battle's not really a damn Republican. You know, he's, I mean, really, yeah, you know what I mean? He is, but he's not. I mean, well, I don't care about that. Yeah, you know? this is not about that. No, this yeah, is not, it's about, not that. about that. I don't care about that. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is stupid. This is, this is playing with people's lives. It's hurtful. It's, yes. um, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's telling people that you can do this shit. You know, yes. that's what the, that's, that's the, you, you want to know why you got a problem on the police force? This yes. is why, this is yes. why you got the problem. Um, you know, you can't, the police review board cleared him. They call him the good shooting. It's just, you can't and have that. How, how in the blank they, in hell they could, they could come up with that is beyond me. They fought like hell to the very end to the minute i mean that yeah. the that this body cam footage was turned over they fought to keep it out they well, fought to keep it out of public view yeah and that's because they know that everything they said to us as a public and to mm-hmm. our committee was just a bunch of bull they know yeah. that they knew that that was damning video and that there was no excuse for what that man did how in the heck can you assess a situation when you've only been there for 11 freaking seconds. I know. They sent, they sent the other two officers to remedial training as punishment. Those two officers were so uh, mistreated, so degraded by their mm-hmm. fellow officers for reporting, uh, for, for standing up for what they knew was right. And what mm-hmm. we all know now from seeing that video was right, mm-hmm. that they left the police department. They yeah. couldn't take it anymore inside that police department, inside the environment created by the police chief yes. and aided by the mayor. Yes. Aided by the mayor. Absolutely. by the way that they handle things. Uh, the, anybody with a little bit of responsibility. Listen, nobody's saying cops are bad here. Nobody's not taking the cop side on stuff, on things. If that video had come out and that dude had, you know, rose up from the couch and pointed the gun at Darby and we would have been like, oh, well, hell, no wonder he shot him. You yeah. know? Yeah. But, but that's not, that's not that's what not happened. What happened. 
Exactly. And, and it was there's a right and there's a wrong, and the cops are supposed to be on the side of right. And the two cops there stood up for what was right, and yep. you punished them. And that That's shit right. is wrong. And the and you punished them, and you you sent a message to the rest of the police force and to the public that this man's life had no value. And really you're sending a message that to any of us, any of us who are ever in a a state of emotional crisis, that our lives will have no value. That's the Mm -hmm. message that that police force is sending, which is why the Rosa Parks committee continues to say, Chief McMurray needs to resign or be fired and the mayor needs to step down. Mm -hmm. This is a horrible, horrible blight and mark on the city of Huntsville. Yeah. And I'll take I'll take it one step further. It also tells people that you might not be safe to call police for help. Yes. That is that. and, And let me tell you, if I were a police officer and I heard someone genuinely say that, and I'm genuinely saying that, genuinely saying that that's the message that it has sent a lot of people is that I, I may not be safe to call you for help. That yeah. would bother me to no end because I don't know a police officer, a good, I don't know, you know, and I only, I guess I only know good cops, I guess. I don't know. I, but I don't know a police officer who got into, into that line of work for anything other than to help people. And, well, and if, I, if that's your goal, then I yeah. don't know how you can sit by and li- and watch this. And I don't I don't disagree with you on that. I think that uh, I, I mean, I have no reason to believe. I mean, I don't personally know, but I have no reason to believe that most of the police officers in Huntsville or in any city are, 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 are you know, are not good people or not mm-hmm. well-intentioned people. Yeah. And I've had very positive interactions with. Huntsville police officers during my nearly, well, my nearly 40 years of living down here, uh, or actually more than 40 years of living down here. But having said that, having said that, um, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, nullify or erase the reality that what happened to Mr. Jeffrey Parker mm-hmm. was an egregious wrong. Sure. And and what made it worse was that the chief of police and the mayor tried to uh, justify it. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's no way around it. That's a, as far as I'm concerned, that's an evil act mm-hmm. by them. And I think they both need to step down because of that, um, uh, because we need to create a we need an environment that's safe. We need to create a safe environment. Yep. And and there's no way that anybody's going to think the environment is safe if that's the message that the police department is sending to the general public. Yeah, and, and I I don't want to I guess get into into weighing what's worse or not, but you know um, you know when we're measuring this out and and you have time to think about and and view the video and see what's going on and to consider what what took place there, and you still come to the to the conclusion that you're going to support that action that took place. I mean, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, um, you know, you know, Darby, Darby went in and, and did a, did a very bad thing and, and, and is, is going to be punished for it. 
uh, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what he did, he did, took place in a matter of eleven seconds in a high intensity, you know, kind of a, a, a deal there. And I'm not don't get me wrong, I'm not excusing it. I'm I'm saying right. when we're judging who who is what what actions are are worse than this. I'm not sure that the police chief and the mayor taking a look at this damn video and saying, well, I'm, I'm supportive of that. It, it may be the worst actions out of this whole incident right here. It, it's just because you they had time in a calm, removed setting to look at that and, and come up with what they wanted to say. And they chose some kind of a political stance on this because there's no way that those guys viewed that and, and really actually thought it was okay. Uh, I, I just I can't imagine that that's what they actually believed. I think they took a political stance uh, here and then never let it go. Well, you know, I I agree with you that it was worse. What they did was worse only for this reason, only for this reason, because what they did helps to sustain a culture of policing that is rotten and that is really literally dangerous for any citizen. Uh, And I know there's some people, you know, historically, uh, you know, groups like the Rosa Parks Committee and people like me have been talking about racial inequities and uh, the, uh, you know, the fact that the police disproportionately target black people for violence. Uh, and, and I, and I think that's still true. I think the, the, you know, we've seen plenty of examples of that, that I think bear that out. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, we're not even talking about a racial incident because Mr. Parker was white. Yep. So this wasn't about race in that regard. You know, you had a white police officer come onto the scene where there were two ironically, perhaps black police officers there Mm -hmm. de-escalating a situation, which is what you want the police to do. Yep. And then in 11 seconds, he decides to shoot and kill this man. And that's the culture that the police chief and the mayor have, uh, have, have basically uh, attempted to enable. So that, that presents Josh, I think uh, more of a danger for the rest of us, which is why I have to say, I think what you're saying is actually right. Even though I don't, I, I know neither one of us want to devalue no, what no, happened no. to Mr. Parker, but, uh, but I think you're right. I think you're right with the, the, you know, because now there's a potential for there to be more Jeffrey Parkers out there yeah. who get killed, you know, because of the, of the atmosphere that this police chief and this mayor have, have created here. Yeah, I just you know I wish that uh, we we would have uh, focused on the on the other two cops a lot more and yes. and, um, and, and what they did and trying to do the right thing. That man, I, I have no doubt that that man would be alive today if they had been allowed to continue with him. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that's not what happened. And and I'm afraid uh, it's going to go that way with other people. And and I tell you, you know, just watching the other cops at that scene and stuff on those body cams. Um, it, it, it was apparent to a lot, to me at least, that a lot of them knew what took place there was not right. Mm. Um, and and that they still decided to stand up out of some sense of brotherhood or whatever uh, to for, for a guy who did something wrong um, is, is troubling. And I think that starts at the top. And if you don't condemn it, then it's going to be repeated. And so I think yep. I think you're absolutely right in what you said. 
All right, uh, we're 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 gonna slide out. Uh, we're right wing nut this week. Uh, we've already discussed. Uh, it's our our Supreme Court justices. Uh, I mean, our <laughs> our right wing Supreme Court justices, the five uh, folks that uh, that in the dark of night uh, basically uh, undercut forty years of precedent and and law and allowed to stand a constitution an unconstitutional Texas law that bans abortion. And um, it's no matter not I'll say this too, no matter how you feel about the abortion issue, the fact that they did it like this ought to worry the shit out of you. Well, uh, mm-hmm. it really should because this is not right. It, it's not right, and it, it's gonna it creates. A precedent now for doing these sorts of things and allowing these laws to stand. And imagine if in a few years or even a year, uh, let's say the Democrats decide to actually do something and expand this court and they could do these same things to ban guns, to ban, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you've set it up now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you've set it up now. So here we go. Um, and I think that's that's going to be a big problem. But uh, I don't. I can't think of a bigger right wing nut than those guys. I'm with you, 100. Yeah. percent uh, Got my vote. Well, I'm sorry that you know that we're going to end on such a sad and uh, somber, <laughs> uh, <laughs> somber note. But uh, you listen, the world's a tough place sometimes, and there's nothing we can do. Okay, but there uh, it is. Y'all, Truth. y'all go out. Have try to have a good Labor Day and uh, yeah. you know, get out and hang Holiday out with folks weekend. and uh, and have fun and uh, and listen. Uh, till then, y'all be safe. Peace. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, Shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks.